0: Anchor Down Roundtable, episode number nine. Today, I'm joined with Charlie White and Justin Woodward. Guys, you want to introduce yourselves real quick?
1: Uh, I'm Charlie White. Um, That's a wagon. (laughs) Put that out there.
0: I'm
2: Justin Woodward, uh, a diehard Seahawks fan.
0: That's a shame. You did get a win, though. And I'm Matthew Routinas. I'm hosting this week. And guys, we have college football playoffs right around the corner. Before we get into it here, what do you guys thought? Who Do you think you know going to win the college football playoffs? You think it's just going to be another year where Bama just steamrolls? Honestly, I th- I th- that's how that's how I feel. I mean,
1: yeah, I don't think I, I think Georgia, Michigan, I think Michigan can probably give them a game. I might actually vet Michigan to win because I think Bama, Michigan's a much more <laughs> final than Georgia, Bama because everyone kind of knows, knows how that goes when Georgia and Bama play, but um. I don't know. I think the alert that Michigan possibly could beat Bama is like more of a attention grabber than a Georgia Bama rematch. But I think Nick is just the best coach in college football history. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to go against him in any game. But I think Bama takes it all.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're Bama. There's literally not like there's no weakness to their game. Like it's unbelievable. So I. I just don't like I just don't see a scenario where they lose to any of the three other
0: teams. Hey man, you never know if Aiden Hutchinson turns it on, man. He's he's special. I mean, that kid is awesome to watch, but I don't know. I agree. I think Bama's probably going to steamroll, but that's just how it always is. But um all right, let's jump right into it here. <laughs> Players of Week 13 for the NFL. And it was a fun week, you know. I I won't lie in my other show. I did pr- pretty well on my pickums, Only got 3 games wrong. But um anyway, Charlie, I know you have an interesting player of the week. T.J. Watt had a defensive game, and the I mean, the Steelers have an impressive win. They're not dead yet. They are not dead yet, and they had an impressive win.
1: Yeah, I think T.J. Watt was just the best player in the NFL last week in general, not just defensive player. He had seven pressures, three and a half sacks versus the Ravens, and obviously playing the Ravens, you know, it's pretty hard to get sacks against that guy Lamar Jackson, but T.J. Watt had three and a half in his first game back from injury, COVID, whatever it was. Um, And I think he just deserves more attention. I I mean, I know he's always been in the defensive player of the year race, and he's kind of – some people think he got robbed last year to Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald deserved it. But he has 16 sacks in 10 games this year, which is the most in the NFL by two behind – or in front of Miles Garrett. And he's only played 10 games. He missed two and a half games this year. The uh, all-time single-season sack record is 22 and a half. Guess what T.J. Watt's on pace for right now?
0: A little bit over 22 and a
1: half, 24, oh. 24 sacks. And he's playing, uh, I, oh, I, I forget who it is, but he has a pretty easy end of season schedule going in. So I think he could actually get it. Um, so since 2019, this is just how good TJ, what TJ what's been. He's first in sacks with 42. He's first in tackles for loss with 50. He's first in QB hits with 98. And he's lapping the competition in that category. And he's third in strip sacks. Like, this guy has been one of the most dominant players in the NFL. I know he gets credit, but I think he deserves a little bit more credit than he's getting. And his his performance against the Ravens was the sole reason they won. It wasn't Big Ben. Deontay Johnson played well. But it was T.J. Watt just wreaking havoc and just causing just mayhem for Lamar Jackson. And that's the reason they won that game. And like you said, the Steelers aren't dead yet. And I think T.J. Watt has a lot to do with that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you're thinking about their defense, they're coming off of two games previous to this game where they gave up about 44, I think. It was over 40 points in their two previous games. I mean, this was a tone-setting game, and T.J. Watt came out to play. It was really impressive, especially like when you mentioned when you're playing a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. As a defensive end, your job is to obviously keep contained, and I thought he did an excellent job of that the entire night. He was able to keep Lamar in the pocket, make him more of a pocket passer. And I think overall, I think you you're right. Like I think T.J. Watt deserves more credit than he's getting. I think him and Miles Garrett are like, I mean, like I understand he's on the Browns, but like I don't know they they're having like good seasons, but like we know how good they are, but so like we we kind of ignore it in the sense if that makes sense. Like they're yeah. so good that it's like oh they're good. Like we don't really need to talk about that, but like they're having like amazing seasons and like they deserve recognition. I don't know. That's how I feel.
1: Big Watt's defensive player of the year right now.
0: I mean, all the Cowboys fans are going to say it's Traylon Diggs. But it's not. It's not Traylon Diggs. And, I, I mean, it, it's either Garrett for me or T.J. Watt so far because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lineman. I respect offensive line and defensive line play. I mean, that's where I'm going to lean to every time, man. And, I mean, like you said, T.J. Watt's making such a difference that I, I think it makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, so far he probably would be my defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, me too. I, he, he leads Garrett in every major category right now, despite playing two less games than him. And I think Garrett's a freak. I think Garrett might be more talented than him, but the results is what, what pays. And TJ watches watch just keeps getting those over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, another guy could be even in the running right now. I mean, this is very biased, but Darius Slay, he's been phenomenal. I think he's been one of the top cover guys. And if the Eagles somehow make the playoffs, I think that could factor into the decision-making, but that's a very biased take. I understand. But All right, moving on here. (laughs) Justin, you had the guy who actually won a football game, Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. The one week we didn't do a show and we couldn't pick the Lions. They actually go out there and win. Jared Goff was your player of the week, Justin. Let me hear it, man. It seems like every week I pick
2: the Lions as my bold prediction to win. And then, of course, the one week we don't do it, they win. So, I mean, Golf though, I feel like – Against a pretty, I mean, a mediocre defense. They, they, they're not great. They're not awful, but I mean, he just came out firing. I, it like, you know, sixty-one percent completion percentage. It's, that that isn't too bad for Jared Goff. You know, three hundred yards, three touchdowns. It's like he, he, like, you know, came out finally. He's like, he's, he's out. He's free. And like, he really showed. Like, he didn't really have any worries going into into this game. He was smart with the with the football. He he threw a pick, but you know that's you know whatever. And then, you know, the final drive of the game, they, uh, you know, it was in his hands and he did what it took to win that game. And I feel like he really deserved this win along with Dan Campbell and the rest of the lions.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important to note, they did it without Deandre Swift. Like that's like a huge part of their team running the football. It's been their identity for a little bit, especially because Jared's golf has been very up and down this season, but this was a game where it was like, Jared golf had to do well to win this game. And he did. And it was really impressive to see. I mean, Minnesota, Mike Zimmer. I mean, I don't really know what's going on with that team. I mean, they're supposed to be a playoff team, and now they kind of struggled here. I mean, Minnesota is known to have a pretty consistent defense under Mike Zimmer, and this was an impressive performance, I thought, from the Lions. And it just shows that that team has heart, and they didn't shut out. like They didn't shut down, even though they're essentially out of the playoff race. I mean, never say never, but never, as uh, Mike Tomlin likes to say. So, you know, I just think it was an impressive win, and I I see – why he won? I believe he didn't. He win the um, NFC Player of the Week. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So he looked. He looked really impressive out there, and yeah, I thought Jared Goff is definitely worthy of this Player of the Week status.
1: To kind of go back to what you were saying about how uh, the Lions aren't officially out. I think I saw something that, somewhere that there was forty-six scenarios in which the Lions could have got eliminated from the playoffs, uh, or whatever it was last week and uh they didn't somehow that didn't happen so they're still alive they can win out maybe get some luck from other teams they might be able to actually meet the playoffs no it's not happening but I think the whole Jared Goff performance like credit where credit's due he played fine I think it's more of an indictment on that Vikings defense man like you saw them playing like cover four zone 10 yards deep in the end zone on that final touchdown like they literally just they asked him to do it like they said oh yeah just throw it in front of us like you play cover four when you don't want people to get behind you, when you have the end zone and it's four seconds left, fourth and goal, and you're up by four points, whatever it was, like what what are you doing? Like it just makes sense. Like when you everyone knows when you play Jared Goff, you blitz him, and I need to pull up the stats, but I'm pretty sure they didn't blitz Jared Goff, like at all. Um, whatever. I don't have the stats on it. <laughs> but regardless, it's like it's Mike Zimmer, and I think he's a good defensive coach, but that was an awful game plan. And then you got the Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and Adam Thielen getting hurt and just everything. its just, just an awful loss for the Vikings. Feel, feel good for the Lions, finally getting their first win. That's Jerry Goff's first win without Sean McVay in his career, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah.
0: Another guy, I should say, from the Vikings that deserved – that could have gotten the player of the week. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a day. I mean, that guy, every time I watch Justin, Justin Jefferson play, I think, man, imagine if I had him instead of Rager. That, that's just, you know, it's just, I don't know. Like, let me tell you, I was so mad during the draft when we didn't draft Justin Jefferson, but that's besides the point. I mean, like you said, Jared Goff had an absolute day. And I, I, I do think it, the bend, do break defense is the wrong philosophy to play against Jared Goff. And it showed obviously, but that's Mike Zimmer's whole philosophy. Like even his disciples, like that's everything that they take away from it is like bend, do break defense. And that's something that I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of bend, do break. I think it, it kind of keeping everything in front of you. I understand to a certain point, but I don't know. It gets too repetitive for my taste. What, what were you going to say?
2: That's what the Seahawks have done for the past year and a half. And look at where that's gotten them. That's what they've been doing every single game. And that's why last year at like the first, like half of the year, they were giving up like 500, y- like total yards a game. It's because they were doing that. That doesn't work. It doesn't work in the NFL because the NFL is creative now and there are young coaches who can easily counter that. And there's nothing, you know, that doesn't really fix anything unless you're up by 30 and don't want them to come back. You know, like that's all I can think of, you know, for being a a good idea. Like that bend, don't break style.
1: Yeah, back to what you were saying about Justin Jefferson. I've actually been looking into this really hard because I think Justin Jefferson's amazing. Uh, Where would you rank him? Among wide receivers right now, three has a oh, three? Tough
2: question. three. I would rank him three,
1: three behind what Adams and uh Diggs, At-
2: Adams and uh D. okay, healthy Adams, healthy D.
1: I think, yeah, I think my personal pick for number one is Tyreek Hill because he just does things that no one else in the entire league can do. He has he's had a pretty average season for your standards this year, but I just think overall. Anyways, that's beside the point. I think there there's not a steep drop off from Devonte Adams to Justin Jefferson. That's not an indictment on Adams. That's just an indict or just speaking to how good Jefferson is. If Jefferson Jefferson's last four games pace, if you played an entire 16 game season, he's on pace for one hundred and twenty eight catches and two thousand three hundred yards. That's how crazy he's going right now. Like. He, he's just something else. And he's playing with Kirk Cousins, who, like, the jury's still out on. I, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but I don't know. I, I think Jefferson's insane. I think he's top five easy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been unbelievable ever since he stepped foot on the field, ever since uh, the, the first game last year. I feel like he's just been, he's established himself as probably one of the most reliable receivers in the NFL. He's a deep threat, he can run underneath, he can do anything you want and he doesn't drop passes, you know. And he's a great athlete. There's nothing you can ask more from him, you know. And yeah, he's playing with Kirk, with Kirk Cousins and he and and they have Dalvin Cook too and Adam Thielen. They have two other good options that, that they can use and they and Jefferson's still above
0: both of them. But this moves on to our next player of the week. This is my pick. Now this is a little unorthodox, okay? I took Tua bailoa. And it's because I wanted to talk a little bit about the dolphins here. They've been on a little bit of a run. As an Eagles fan, I don't like seeing this, but you know what? Tua's been playing pretty well. A lot of people kind of start to doubt Tua. You know, they mentioned how oh, you know, like he's not really the franchise guy. And now he's having a little bit, he's putting together a little bit of a run here. His statistics are looking really good. In his previous game when they beat the Giants, well, you know, they're they're a solid defense. You know, they're nothing to scoff at, in my opinion. I mean, he had, what, a 73.2% completion percentage, 220, 244 total yards, two touchdowns, and a QBR of 109. I mean, him and Waddle, that connection, looked really lethal during that Giants game. And I think Tua's kind of starting to get into a little bit of the rhythm here. I don't know if this is necessarily he's the franchise guy, but I want to show a, love, a little bit of love to him because it seems like he's starting to get into a little bit of a pattern here. And I, I, don't, I don't know if the jury's necessarily out on him, but, you know, he's starting to string together a couple of good games.
1: I think that like this is what you should expect from Tua. I think he's finally in an offense that is conducive to his playing style, which is like this, the RPO is getting the ball quick. And obviously with that offensive line, you got to get the ball quick or else he's going to get crushed. I think Tua has a future in the NFL, uh, certainly. I just think that Dolphins fans and their owner, Stephen Ross, got enamored with the idea of having Deshaun Watson and all those first-round picks and all that stuff, which obviously Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not going to say anything. About that, but um, I think two is good. I think two it is like this is what you should expect from him. He's a very methodical passer, Drew Brees esque. I'm not gonna put him in that category yet, but he plays the same style as Drew Brees. Uh, I just think that if if you give like Sean Payton Tua, obviously the Drew Brees comparison goes there. But if you give Sean Payton Tua, I think he can make him into like a top fifteen, top ten quarterback for a good stretch of his career. So I think. I'm happy they're finally using him in the way that he should be used. Waddle has been sensational, which is looking good for my pre-draft Waddle wide receiver one takes. Um, But yeah, that Dolphins team, uh, if they can't get Deshaun Watson, I think they stick with Tua. I think they just got to figure out more of an offense to mold around him instead of trying to force him into something that he's not used to.
2: Yeah, Charlie, no, I I absolutely agree. I I don't think Tua is a bad quarterback by any means. I think maybe the situation he got put in wasn't – the best of situations, but I mean, it, it, he's nine and seven in his first six in his first 16 games in the, in the NFL, you know, that's, that's not bad at all for a rookie quarterback or not rookie anymore, but you know, for it being your, your first full 16 game, you know, season, you know, I feel like that's, that's a good record for what you have, you know, Devonte Parker's back. He's, he, he, he's, you know, finally getting weapons He, he you know, already has Waddle. Waddle has been sensational all year and, you know, They have Will Fuller too. Will Fuller's on the IR right now. He's been on the IR for the whole year and he's, he's a deep threat. He, you know, he can get, he can get open. He's maybe not as reliable as Devontae Parker, but he's a, you know, he, he, he's a big play type guy and he can absolutely help out that offense once he's
0: back. Yeah. And the dolphins have been really impressive. Like, I mean, just Brian Flores, the way that he can like turn the, like he turned the defense around, like in my opinion, and like, he still kept the belief in the locker room that they could turn it around and the ability for the Dolphins to bow, bounce back in the way that they've been doing has really been impressive to me. It's been impressive to watch, in my opinion. But this will lead on to our next topic here the surprise of week 13. Justin has a Seahawks fan. You had to put this one down, huh? Russell Wilson finally having a Russell Wilson type game. And he actually looked good. Yeah, Russell Wilson didn't play like garbage this week. He. Played
2: actually, this was not saying just recency bias, but this is one of the best games I've seen Russ play ever. You know he he had an eighty one percent completion percentage, two thirty one yards, uh, two two touchdowns at a pick, but the pick wasn't his fault. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it was a perfect pass to Gerald Everett in the end zone. He bobbled it, and then some guy ran and picked it off, and that was absolutely not on Wilson at all. But, I mean, he looked comfortable. He looked like Russell Wilson. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He got the ball out early. And he and he wasn't afraid to go deep either. And he's been, and he's been kind of shy about that the past couple of weeks, the past few weeks. And I feel like now playing a game against the 49ers, who he always plays well against the 49ers, I feel like hopefully this can maybe get him back on track. I, I don't expect Seattle to make the playoffs at all. I don't, I don't expect them to, to come close. But if, if this can get Russ back on track and, you know, maybe you know kind of silence those off-season talks then maybe seattle has a decent future ahead of them but i mean yeah just russ just played very well and gotta give props to him
1: yeah unfortunately for you as a seahawks fan i think someone's gone in seattle whether it's Carroll wilson or the gm i i think that past two years of just kind of uh not meeting expectations is going to catch up to them and then they're wrapped up in a lot of contracts that may or may not be great for the future. Um, I think they just got to either blow it all up or just change something in the front office or coaching room. Um, But yeah, like you were saying, Russell Wilson just always plays well against the 49ers. Like it's just one of those things. It's like Brady versus the Jets or like it's like whatever you want to say. Uh, Wilson just always looks good. We I think I knew this was a get right spot. I think I would have predicted Seahawks to beat the 49ers uh, if we had a show last week, not trying to change history or anything like that. but I, I just think that it's always one of those games that's just Seahawks find a way to win. And yeah, Russ Wilson, he's very good quarterback. I think he was still injured the past two weeks when he was playing. I just think he wasn't letting on as much as uh, he actually was injured. And when he's healthy, he's a top five quarterback in the league. I, I just think that something needs to change in Seattle because I, I don't want to see Russell Wilson waste away his last five, six, seven, eight years, whatever, in the league, uh, just falling below expectations.
2: I just wanted to say something. You said somebody somebody's probably going to be gone in Seattle, which I absolutely agree with. Well, Pete Carroll at the beginning of the season signed a contract extension that runs through 2025. So something tells me... Pete's still gonna be there, unfortunately. I don't. I don't want him there. I. I mean, ever since last year, he just turned me off to everything. And I mean, I don't know. It's it's not looking good. It really isn't.
0: Well, I think if anything's gonna change, if Pete's Carroll's still in off, like still in like the head coaching position, it's probably just gonna be another year where it's gonna be like, oh, we got a new offensive coordinator, so now we're a different team. Which it's been the theme with Seattle for how long now? Feels like a couple of years. Like I remember like like guys like Doug Peterson were mentioned to be the offensive coordinator before their current, I forget the current off OC, but like, Shane
2: Waldron. Yeah. The Rams passing game coordinator.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It feels like if anything's going to change, it would probably be like a change, like a smaller change like that, even though you want a more grand change. I mean, I, I could see Russell Wilson maybe getting traded. I, and then like the Seattle Seahawks be more in a rebuild, but I don't know. That's something that we'll have to wait and see, but For me, my surprise of the week, and I guess it's not necessarily a surprise, but Gardner Minshew obviously balling out versus the Jets. I mean, he had a day. I mean, he really looked impressive. Uh, The Eagles ultimately won the football game 31 to 8 or 33 to 18. The Eagles, the most impressive stat to me was the only time they punted throughout the entire game was in the final possession. I mean, Gardner was like the game manager that he's been the entire career, his entire career. He had an eighty-one point five completion percentage, and three of the like three of the five incompletions that he had were just throwaway plays, which just is another nod to like him making good decisions on the field. He had two hundred fifty-three total yards, two touchdowns, and had a QBR of one hundred forty-one. Now, I'm not clamoring for him to be the starting quarterback or anything like that. I am not that delusional, but I think that he's an awesome like backup quarterback, and I I kind of would want to see what Gardner could do in a situation where maybe like in Pittsburgh like next year, like where he has to be like a bridge quarterback to like a Malik Willis or someone like that. Like I would want him to have that opportunity. Cause I think he can truly, like I would want him to see like, like see him like run an offense. I think it'd be a fun experiment, but I thought this week Garner looked really good. Granted it was against a horrible jets defense, but he looked pretty good. And he surprised
1: me. I think this is a uh, kind of scary for Jalen hurts, but not in the way you think. So, uh, when Sirianni was named head coach uh, after that happened him and that regime went out and traded for Gardner Minshew. Right. And like, I don't think you just trade for Gardner Minshew just to like have a backup. I think that Sirianni has like a plan where Gardner Minshew fits the mold of the quarterback that he wants to run his sort of offense. And Jalen hurts. I think he's, he's, he's not a great passer, but he's a good playmaker. And I think he'll, he'd do a lot of wonders for a lot of teams out there right now, but I think that Sirianni has like this, like he has a Frank Wright Colts mindset where I think that he has like a pro typical quarterback to run his offense. And you saw it happen this week. Like when he had that quarterback, like you said, Gardner Minshew basically missed two throws all game. They punted once. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that jets probably didn't have any film on Gardner or they didn't have any film on Gardner Minshew. So they don't really know what to prepare for, but that's what that offense looks like at like Sirianni's like full capacity and like in his image. So I'm not saying that they want Jalen Hurts out. but I'm saying Nick Sirianni didn't necessarily he – he wasn't the guy who drafted Jalen Hurts. He wasn't the guy – he wasn't part of the regime that wanted Jalen Hurts to be the guy. So I don't know. I, I think it could lead to future problems in that quarterback room down the line. I don't know what you think about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. So throughout the city, like the history of the Eagles – they have always been enamored, the fan base at least has always been enamored by the backup quarterback. Nick Foles, Kevin Cobb, Mike Vick, we could go down the line, Jeff Garcia, these type of guys that are always backups. And, they, and the teams always clamor, the fans always clamor for the backup quarterback. And what happens? The backup takes over. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. Guys were clamoring for Jalen Hurts to play. He takes over. And now I, I know right now in the Philadelphia media, people are calling on like talk show radio and are saying, Gardner Minshew should start over Jalen Hurts. I know that's happening now. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Personally, I'm in the camp where I think that you gotta let, like, like you gotta look at upside. We know what Gardner Minshew is as a quarterback. I think that there's more potential with Jalen Hurts. And like you said, if he becomes like somewhat of a competent like passer, that that playmaking ability with his legs is something else. And being able to throw the football like that would make him like a Lamar type of player. So I think that you have to look at the upside. I think. Jalen Hurts right now should be getting more of the like touches. But if it's if it's a situation where it's like he's not really developing, let's say, like for conversation's sake, the Eagles don't draft a quarterback or trade for a quarterback next year and they rely on Jalen Hurts' potential. And let's say it's not panning out, then I agree they're probably going to go after a guy who fits the more of a pocket passer type of mold. But I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. I think I think Jalen Hurts has that potential, but I think you're right in saying that Gardner Minshew. Like, is that prototypical Nick Sirianni quarterback? And it helps when you have an offensive line that can actually protect the quarterback. So that's something that Gardner never had. Like, I don't know. Justin,
2: what do you think?
1: uh,
2: I just, no. Yeah. I wanted to say, uh, so Gardner, his rookie year, he had a 14 game sample size. So not a full year, but a decent amount of time to kind of figure out who he is. And in those 14 games with the Jaguars, with i don't even know who his best receiver was at that time probably chenault maybe i mean uh, i don't even know if, if he was in the number one two years ago but he 61 percent completion 21 touchdown six picks you know i mean 3200 yards that's a pretty good rookie season for for a sixth or seventh round draft pick who had no expectations you know so i think i mean I think Gardner. I mean, he's only twenty-five. I I th- I think he still has some time to establish himself as, as a starting quarterback. And I think he has all the tangibles. He has the intangibles. But I feel like he really needs time, and he needs to really like I like I think he had like he's had enough sitting. I think he needs to go out there and really show that he can play because I really think he can be a starting quarterback in this in this league.
1: Yeah. I think that because of this year's lackluster uh, QB draft class, I think Minshew will probably get a starting role um, somewhere if he doesn't stay with the Eagles. So I I think, I think you're kind of right. Like he did have a pretty good rookie year. Uh, He has ups and downs in his second year. I just think like it's just hard to go to a franchise like Jacksonville where like the coaching staff changes every single year. The ownership doesn't really know what they're doing. It just like, you have to be somewhere where the, the coaches, the front office, the team, everyone believes in you. And I don't think Gardner Minshew's had that kind of experience yet. And I think if he finds a place that believes in him, then I think that you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. You know what I mean? Like I think that he has a, he has potential to be a starter in the NFL.
0: That is a great quote from Charlie White right there. Let me say. I will stand here and I will clamor for the, now he is on contract for one more year with the Philadelphia Eagles. So next year he would be with the Eagles. He would be the backup presumably um, unless they trade him. And I I will stand here and I will say Pittsburgh, if the, if the rumors are true and big Ben's going to retire, I think that Pittsburgh should be all in on getting Gardner Minshew and then drafting a rookie quarterback. Like I think Gardner is that perfect kind of bridge quarterback. He gets to prove what he is as a quarterback and he gets to develop a guy. So I don't know. That's my feeling towards it. I don't know. I kind of hope Kenny Pickett goes to the Steelers, but that's besides the point. All right. Charlie, I know that the for your surprise of the week, I mean, honestly, this is a Bill Belichick win all over it. This is Bill Belichick type of game. It just shows how he's an awesome, one of the best coaches ever to do it. Mac Jones only having three pass attempts. I believe it was two for three in the game. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yes, this wasn't really surprising to me at all. I just wanted to have an excuse tough with the Pats um but yeah going into this game if you told me the Pats were gonna run the ball 44 times and throw the ball three times I wouldn't have doubted you at all uh I mean you saw the videos before the game started right like 55 mile an hour wind gust it was snowing sideways I'm surprised that like, like most impressive thing to me in that game is that Josh Allen was completing passes like that just shows how how strong that guy's arm is but that's the side of the point Pats had 46 carries for 222 yards for 4.82 yards per carry and one touchdown I know that's ex- like the 60 or 56 yard touchdown by Damian Harris kind of like bumps that number up, but still averaging over three and a half yards per carry in that kind of game where the Bills knew that the Pats were going to run the ball like every single play is pretty impressive. Like the, the Bills knew it was coming pretty much every single play and they still couldn't stop it. And that just goes to show how the Pats are just a really tough team. They're really good on the ground. And. If they can beat the Bills, who some people think are the best team in the AFC talent wise, uh, in Buffalo in that weather like that, there's no team in the NFL that they cannot beat. And I think that it's just people love saying the rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Like, oh, they're not gonna, they're not gonna win. They have a rookie quarterback. Like, it. You saw them win like that, like. I don't know. I think they're going to be a tough out for anyone in the playoffs, especially if they get home field advantage. It's cold in Foxborough. That running game is just demoralizing. They can dominate in both trenches of the ball. And I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I really think the Pats – I think the Pats are the best team in the AFC. I'm ready to say it.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, I, I think they have been for the past maybe two weeks. But, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. Like, B- Bill Belich, like, we've been saying this for years, just how smart and how just – crazy bill belichick is there were two things that i wanted to say um the first the first thing was remember the third and five qb sneak that he called that (laughs) That was unbelievable i like that's like the best play call of all time and then they got four yards and then fourth and one they do another qb sneak at it like that's crazy like nobody would nobody on planet earth would have thought that was happening and then um you see like the bills stacking like 10 or like you know 10 guys are like their entire defense in the box and the patriots were still getting six to seven yards like 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 every run and they had nikhil harry blocking a lot who i really liked that nikhil harry was blocking insanely all night and i feel like he's definitely a really underrated reason about or why they uh had three and a half yards per carry
0: yeah i don't know going back to like your original like what you said charlie like I definitely think that this Patriots team is definitely a playoff contender. I think that they're definitely one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, I think if you look at the – they're playing smash-mouth football right now. And honestly, if you look at all the teams that are successful right now, they're running the football. And the reason why, like, they we're thinking, oh, we know what this team is and then, like, they're one of the top teams is because they're able to run the football all over their other teams. They're able to control the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's been a consistent theme of, like, a crazy year that's been this year, like, teams that can run the football – are considered to be in the playoff hunt and so i think with the patriots especially they have definitely a top five offensive line in the nfl their defensive line has been incredible i mean i forget i mean barrymore has been really good this year but the other guy what was his name he had like 10 tackles um uh, uh,
1: devon godshaw
0: yes he had a phenomenal game he was all over the field and the, it's not like the bills didn't try to run the football either but godshaw was there all over the field that that game like being able to control the line of scrimmage is something that makes the Patriots, in my opinion, definitely one of the top teams in the AFC. All
1: uh, right, you say one of the top teams, though. Who's better? I look, okay. I, I
0: I don't know. I guess the Patriots are the top team in the AFC, in my opinion. But it's like, I don't know. It's such a weird year. Like it's we it is weird. Like, let's be honest, it's weird to say with a rookie quarterback they're a top team. But like, I don't know. I think we're seeing the Chiefs kind of get back on it too. And that's I know, I know their defenses look really good though. And you can't see it, but Charlie's giving me a look right now. And I I think, honestly, like if they start getting cooked, like cooking again, and they're finding ways to be like the offensive juggernaut that they are and having a good defense like they've had the last couple of weeks, like that's a hard team to like beat, like even for a Patriots team. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I agree. The Chiefs definitely, if they get back into form, are going to be a tough team to beat. But as of right now, I'm not seeing it. Their defense has been playing very well. I'll give them credit for that. But their offense put up 22 points, and one was seven of that. Those points were at pick six uh, at home versus Denver, a division rival, and those games are notorious for like like not being crazy high scoring. But the Chiefs, like the Chiefs, put up. Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown in back to back games. Like that offense still has some problems. I don't really know what it is. Um, I don't trust them to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. They're going to try to throw the ball a lot, and as we've seen, throwing the ball has led to a lot of turnovers. I don't know why that is, but it just has. And the defense for as good as they've been playing, like I I haven't been playing like great teams. Like I think if you put that defense against the Patriots and like Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, like I don't think they're going to look as good as they have been. Like, I don't know. I don't think they can stop the run well enough to beat the paths right now. I think that Matt Judon, Christian Barmore, all those guys, Kyle Van Noy will just wreak havoc on Orlando Brown and, uh, That offensive line of the Chiefs, I think they've been playing or looked better than they've actually been playing. Um, And that defense, like Belichick's the mastermind. He's not owned Mahomes, but he's been the best defensive coordinator against Mahomes in recent memory. So I'm not ready to say the Pats will win the Super Bowl, but I think as of right now, as it stands today, Wednesday, December 8th at 6.36 p.m., I think the Patriots are the best team in the AFC, and I don't think it's that close.
0: And I think that's a fair assessment, but we've kind of spent a lot of time on that. So I say we move on to our next topic here, the disappointments of week 13. And now for me, this was a little disappointing because I have the offense or the Raiders offense here. They're coming off of an impressive performance versus the Dallas defense, right? They're winning on Thanksgiving game day game. It was a really impressive performance. I thought Derek Carr had a masterclass. He looked phenomenal. It was him versus Dak. They were absolutely dueling back and forth, and Derek Carr found a way to push that team to a victory. The Raiders' offense, when they played the Washington football team, who are downed – oh, God, uh, Chase Young. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. But, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I expected more from Derek Carr. I mean, I've seen him absolutely tear up this year, whether it was the Eagles' defense. Like, he's so up and down right now for me. And, like, I expected this to be, like, a Derek Carr masterclass game. And I get it. Like Washington's defense has been a lot better of late, but still like they had some struggles at the beginning of the year. And I just anticipate Derek Carr to have better numbers than he did. I believe he was 38 for 28. He had 250 yards, which isn't bad, but he didn't have any touchdowns. He didn't have any interceptions. And, you know, I just anticipated Derek Carr to have a better game than he did, especially versus a Washington football team that I felt was pretty susceptible to losing.
1: I feel like every year there's one team that always beats really good teams, but loses to really bad teams. Um, and uh, this year that's the Raiders easily. Like the, they'll play up to competition and you, they'll they'll stun you. They're like, wow, like you beat the Cowboys like in Dallas. That's crazy. And then they'll come back next week and lose to the football team at home. Like that's how their whole season's gone. Uh but I think we need to start putting some respect on Taylor Heineke's name. I'll be honest. Like, I wasn't a huge fan going in, but he, he's fun to watch, and he's playing at a, a great level right now. He's averaging his past four games, uh, 23 of 29 for 77 completion percentage, 220 yards, 1.8 touchdowns, 0.5 interceptions, 110 passer rating. Like I don't think Heineke necessarily is a franchise guy right now, but he's, he's just willing that team to victory. Like, the football team's still in the playoff. I'm pretty sure they're in the playoffs as we speak, like, as right now. Yeah. Which is pretty insane given, like, everything that's gone down for them this year. But I really think, like, we're not talking enough about Taylor Heineke and what he's doing. So, that's just my two cents on that piece.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, like – he's just been – he, like – his, his story is phenomenal just like you know i think he was on he was on a team then he went to the vikings played a couple preseason games didn't do anything then you know went to washington obviously and he's been their guy like i you know i feel like coming into into this year they had fitz magic but i mean he he got hurt week one or two right and they needed heineke to carry this load and really you know they needed to rely on him and he's been playing really well and he's you know, I feel like shown them that he he can be their guy, and although he's I think thirty or thirty one, like he's he's got fresh legs. You know, he hasn't been you know running around every year. He's been sitting on the bench. You know, he's I, I feel like he's in good shape, and he's I think you know set up to you know to win a lot of games in, in the in the future, regardless of what team he's on.
0: There's a reason why he's on a majority of these like Ron Rivera teams. I mean, he's with Carolina when Ron was there. He was in Washington. They brought him in. Ron Rivera clearly sees something in having Tyler Heineke, Heineke, excuse me. And he's looked pretty good. Like he's not the sexiest quarterback. He's not the sexiest name out there, but he's a staple of consistency as of right now. He can see, you know what he is, and you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get some, you're going to get at least like 14 to 21 points from your offense. And you're just going to be relying on a good defensive head coach to provide, like to keep the game close. Like, and that's, that's what the Washington football team is right now. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think Heineke does deserve credit. And I think the Washington defense and riverboat Ron deserves a little bit of credit too.
1: He's just one of those guys that like teams rally around. Like he just, he's just an energizer. Like everyone loves that guy. Everyone loves playing with him. Everyone's like, offensive line is going to block harder because they know Taylor Heineke is back there. Wide receivers is going to run better routes for Taylor Heineke running backs can get that extra two yards every time they run to give Taylor Heineke like, it's just one of those things. He's the great locker room guy, and he's, he's not a bad backup right now. And I don't think he's a franchise guy. I don't know if I accidentally said that before. But, I mean, I, I just think we need to put some more respect on his name for what he's doing right now.
0: Absolutely agree. But another team that has a franchise guy, I think it's pretty safe to say, the Bengals here, and they have Joe Burrow, and I was anticipating a shootout between the Chargers and the Bengals. And I will say I did pick the Chargers. This was not on the show. Because, I, I mean, we talked about it previously. I think the Chargers were coming off of a tough loss, and the Bengals were coming off a big win. And you anticipated Joe Burrow to take what they did in that big win, and they kind of struggled. But, Charlie, you want to talk about the Bengals' turnovers?
1: Yeah, so Bengals, I, I think people will be disappointed in the Bengals, specifically just looking at the box score. But the Bengals didn't play, like, all that bad, like, throughout the whole game. It's just those untimely turnovers. Like, listen to this. The first three drives uh, for the Bengals. So, the Chargers came down and scored 7-0. Bengals fumble, turned into a field goal for the Chargers. Next drive, interception, turned into a touchdown for the Chargers. And then a punt, which turned into another touchdown for the Chargers. So, they just – they started off really slow, had some really bad mistakes early on, which made the game 24-0, like, before, like, you could even blank. And that, like right there, that the game was over after that. Like the, the Mangos came back, but then um, all it takes is just one turnover for it to flip back on the other side. And it was 24-22 Chargers in the fourth quarter. And Joe Mixon fumbles, returns 60 yards for a touchdown by the Chargers, and then it's 31-22, and then the game's actually out. But what happens if you have early turnovers is you leave yourself with zero room for error. Like you saw in the like the Pats Super Bowl, I I know we're talking about the Pats a lot, but against the Falcons, like they had to play mistake free football and make stuff happen on the defensive side of the ball for the rest of the entire game, and like that's very very hard to do to play a whole game without mistakes. After that, so I'm just more disappointed in the Bengals for just not executing early on. They needed this game bad. Uh, the Ravens lost. The Steelers won. Uh, browns had a bye week but the bengals won this game i think they don't run away with the nfc north they put themselves in the driver's seat to win the nfc north which is to be a top four seed in the playoffs which is something that bengals fans haven't experienced in a long time but chargers needed the game too but i'm just more disappointed in the bengals at home uh pretty much shooting themselves in the foot
2: i mean give give credit where credit is due charlie justin herbert oh, oh. unbelievable
0: that throw across the field to Darius Guyton and Guyton making up, like going up and making that play was phenomenal. I mean, he threw almost like he was standing at like the right sideline of the field and he threw it all the way pretty much to the left pylon, like of the end zone. Like that was an incredible throw and that's not an easy throw. It just goes to show like Justin Herbert's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, honestly, like those type of throws, like only certain guys can make that. And like, and he put it in a position where it was a perfect 50-50 ball. Like it was incredible to watch like those type of throws throughout the entire game, but I do agree. Like, I think, I think the Bengals. yes, they lost the game, but they did show that they're willing to come back. They have fight in that team. They were down by a big margin and they made it a game at the end. Yes. The Chargers ran away with it at the end, but I mean, they showed a little bit of fight too. And I think that's something you want to see in like a rising kind of team. I mean, no one expected them to really be a playoff team and they're showing a lot of fight under Zach Taylor, which I don't think any of us would have thought before the season. So I don't know. I think they're in a pretty good position.
1: Yeah, just, Zach Taylor just could be- to, uh, you no, I was gonna
2: I was going I was gonna say Zach Taylor could be a low-key coach of the year candidate. I mean, who would have thought this team would have would be remotely close to a to a playoff spot right now? I certainly did not. I mean, the defense ha- I mean, except for last game, I guess, but the defense has been surprising everybody, even even the offense, just Joe Burrow, you know, for the exception of him being hurt uh, – no, I mean, he he barely got hurt last game. But, like, I mean, he's – like, Joe Burrow has been great this year. I, I, I think he's exceeded expectations, you know, coming off a pretty brutal injury. You know, in, in, in your first year, you don't know how – you know, you don't know where it's going to go. And I feel like he's been really impressive. And Mixon, man, Mixon's been unbelievable all year. And he's been, you know, one of those really underrated running backs who, you know, finally is – Knock on wood about to play a full season under his belt and finally show that he can really be a top guy in the NFL.
1: I'm glad you brought up the whole Zach Taylor Coach of the Year conversation because I wanted to bring this up. Um, another Pats thing. Sorry, but I think Belichick should easily be the coach of the year. I mean, look what he did. He turned a seven and nine team that was that first of all that roster last year was like a three and thirteen roster. They went seven and nine. That's pretty impressive alone. But he, he basically just scrapped together a team off free agency, off draft picks, and he's a rookie quarterback, and they're the one seed. If they finish the year with the one seed in the AFC and Belichick does not win the coach of the year, then just throw the award out. It's not worth anything because, I mean, that's just incredible. And I know everyone gives him his cra- praise, best coach of all time. But we're talking about single season coaching jobs, and he absolutely deserves it this year if they finish with the one seed or any like top seed for that matter.
2: I That's will.
0: His, no, yeah, Matt, 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 go, ahead, go ahead. All right. Well, I was going to say, I I'm tired of hearing us sleeping on the Cardinals here and Cliff Kingsbury as being a potential for this award. I feel like people are kind of ignoring the coaching job that he's done there. I mean, he won a couple of games with Colt McCoy and he didn't have D hop and he loses one of his defensive leaders in JJ watt. Who's not the same player, but still the person that he is, is such a important piece to that team. I mean, I think that Cliff deserves to have some sort of praise in there. Now, I will agree if the Patriots finish as the top team in the AFC, no doubt. I think Bill deserves to win it, but I mean Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury's what? They're ten and two right now. I mean that Cardinals team's looking really good, and I mean I think that he deserves a little bit of praise here. Like, yeah, you know?
1: I think he's definitely second. Uh, if I had a, if I had a vote, he's my second pick for Coach of the Year. But I think it's a lot. I'm not going to say it like this. I think it's easier to win when you have an MVP candidate as your quarterback and one of the best top five receivers in the game. I know they've been hurt for a couple of games here and there. Um, but that defense is insane too. Chandler Jones, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. That uh, I forget, it's Vance Joseph is their defensive coordinator. Yes. And Zach Collins has looked really good as a rookie. Yeah, I think what Vance Joseph has done with that defense is – just a little bit more impressive than what Kingsbury's done with that offense, just given like the hand that, that he's been dealt. So I think Kingsbury, yes, definitely deserves a lot of praise for coach of the year. But I just think that if anybody besides Belichick was doing the job that he's doing with the Patriots right now, it wouldn't even be a question. So that, that's just my thing.
0: Yeah. And again, more Patriots talk. <laughs> We're going to move on.
1: All right. I mean, the big, big, big AFC, I got to talk about it. It is.
0: Hey, man, they're important. I ain't arguing with it. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, Here, our final disappointment of week 13 here. Justin, you have the Vikings defense. I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier on in the show, but Minnesota, Mike Zimmer, you know, struggling again. I mean, we talked about it a little earlier. You want to run through it a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, we talked about it earlier. We don't have to, you know, really dive deep into it like we did earlier. But, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, especially just that last drive alone – was pathetic that was unbelievable how you let detroit drive down march down the field with less than two it was like a minute 40 left and just let them drive and score on you that's like that alone was awful i mean just giving up 372 total yards to detroit i mean like i feel like that's like an average like that's not terrible to like like you know like a good like a decent team but like the lions have not won a game this year and i feel like when they needed to, when they needed to, be you know like when they when they needed to, to play well, they didn't. They did not, you know, shine in, in that big moment. So I think this is, this kind of needed to be, not like not like a, a reality check. But you know, Vikings have playoff aspirations, and they can't be playing like this when playoffs come around. And I mean, Cam Cam Dantzler too. That was like that that mm-hmm. final play. I mean, I get he did what he was supposed to do but I mean, you're, you're watching one guy the whole time and he still, and he still scores that on you. It's like, I don't know. That was just unbelievable on, on both the Lions and the Vikings part, but I feel like it was more disappointing than it was impressive.
1: Yeah. That's just one of those things where like, every once in a while I see people in Twitter comments saying the NFL is rigged. And that's one of those times where you actually start to believe it. Cause like, it just seems too good to be true. Like why would the uh, Vikings call cover four and not blitz on fourth and goal with four seconds left, like it, it just like complete, just like an utter misuse of a team. Like it, blitz Jared Goff, you, you got to cover what Equin or Amon Ross, St. Brown and Khalif Raymond and whoever else they have. They'd have no DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, like just double Hawkinson played single coverage with two high safeties against St. Brown and Raymond and you're fine. I just don't. I don't get what they're doing. they playing cover four and not blitzing. But that's enough Vikings talk. It just gets me. Gets me a little upset. <laughs>
0: hey man, I I don't mind it as the Eagles. I like seeing the Minnesota demise. You know, wildcat or wild card aspirations. But um, I think this will move us on to our final topic here: the bold predictions for Week 14. Charlie, this one is a very interesting take, and Justin's not going to be happy about it. The Texans, after scoring zero points versus the Colts, will beat the Seahawks outright.
1: Colts are a really good team. Don't, don't uh, do that to them. Didn't Tyron Taylor get hurt?
0: Well, no, they took him out of the game. I thought they took him out straight up for Davis Mills because he was playing poor.
1: I thought. They could have scored negative 20 points i'd still pick them a cover and went out right against the seahawks this week the seahawks they had a good win last week but besides that they no offense justin they have not been a good team this year just like at all like i think the texans are at home and while they don't have a great home field advantage it's still better you don't have to travel you don't have to go all the way to seattle they have to come to you uh, i think if tyrod taylor plays because i don't think davis mills is going to beat the seahawks if tyrod taylor plays i think that the Texans should win this game outright. Like I, I just – like we were saying earlier, the Seahawks, they always play good against the 49ers. That's kind of like an apparition game. Um, but I think everyone's overreacting to just how bad the Texans played and just how good the Seahawks looked. And they have to look at the whole picture right now and just see how close these teams are actually talent-wise and realize that seven and a half points is too much. I'll be betting seven and a half, and I'll probably sprinkle some money in the money line as well because I think that they have a legitimate chance to win. I mean, you saw them beat the – the Titans, what two, three weeks ago, outright they beat them by ten. Titans, if you, if the Titans and the Seahawks played right now, in neutral field, I think the Titans would be favored. And I'm not saying that the Texans are good, but they beat the Titans, so they can easily beat the Seahawks. That's just that's my bold take. Oh, also we have to say this: the whole Russell Wilson trade rumor thing that came out today, yesterday, whatever it was that's going to be play a factor into it. You think like the lockers, locker rooms would be like, I don't want to play for this guy. If he's already talking about getting traded, whether the ports are true or not, like, I don't know. I think, I think that, that locker room's not united. And I think that we can see a huge letdown here from the Seahawks.
2: Yeah. I mean, so the last time, the last time Seattle played the Vikings or not the Vikings, the Texans was in 2017. And the final score was 41-38 to 38 with the last-second Jimmy Graham touchdown. I remember watching it live with my father. That that game will be nothing like this Sunday. Uh, I, I don't think they'll lose just because Davis Mills – I'm pretty sure Davis Mills is starting or he's expected to start. I think Tyrod uh, – Tyrod, he hasn't been ruled out, but he's not expected to play. So I think that's going to play a big factor in it. But, I mean – yeah, the Seahawks have been awful this year. They've been, they've have not exceeded any expectations. They've just been an awful team. And I think what you said about Russ, that's completely accurate. You you think about last year, like last year in the in the locker room, when they you know they started off five and zero and then they lost and and then they finished the season, uh, what eleven and five I think. It's like they they played awful at at the end of the season and Russ coming into this year in the off season, like, yeah, I, I want to get traded to these four teams. It's like, like, and then you come back, you think anybody in that locker room's like, Oh, all right. Like, that's fine. Like, like, no, there has to, there have to be some, some qualms against Russ in this locker or, you know, in, in their locker room. And I don't know, I, I can absolutely see the Texans winning. I don't think it'll happen, but I don't think that, you know, this is a total out of the blue thing.
0: Yeah. And another thing to monitor is Jamal Adams is out for the season. That's a big loss for Seattle. I know like he might not be having what we like the year we anticipated, but still he's a playmaker and, you know, losing him is a big deal, but pour more salt in the wound. Justin, you have a first round pick. Justin, you think that the Jets after, you know, somewhat good first half are going to beat the saints and Elijah Moore is going to have a baller of a game. I mean, I will say the Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore connection has been something else this year. They've looked phenomenal together. But you think they're going to win the game outright? You are muted, my friend. But
2: it's okay. (laughs) No, yeah, I think – well, actually, coming into the draft, not even coming into this year, I loved Elijah Moore at Ole Miss, and I thought he was the most underrated – the most underrated player in that draft class. I thought he should have been a mid-first-round pick – late if, if that, but he's, he's just an unbelievable athlete. And I think, yeah, that, that connection has been there all year, whether it's with Flacco or Mike White or, or Wilson, you know, I feel like he's, I, I think he's their top guy. I don't think they want to say that yet because they have Corey, they just signed Corey Davis to this huge contract, but Elijah Moore's their guy. And I think it's just a matter of time. He, he had a 141 yard game three days or three games ago. And I don't think this is, you know, a total, I mean, maybe like 175 yards is a lot, but I think like, I can absolutely see it happen. He's a total playmaker. He can do anything with his legs. He, you know, he, he, for, he, his style's almost like a Tyree kill He can really like make you miss. And once he's gone, he's gone. You know, like uh, I think there'll be many opportunities in, in this game for him to get open. And I think he can do a lot with his legs.
1: I completely agree with everything you said about Elijah Moore. I actually had him as the fourth highest graded wide receiver, or no, I had Bateman over him, but he was right there neck and neck with Bateman. He had a first-round grade for me. When I saw him play at Ole Miss, I said, this is a Tyler Lockett clone. I think he plays a lot like Tyler Lockett, and I think he actually has even more dimensions to his game because he can play a little more underneath. Um but yeah, Elijah Moore, I, I had the bold prediction that because I thought Zach Wilson was going to be a stud. So I had the bold prediction that Elijah Moore was going to be have the best stats of any record receiver after this year. And that's just Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, all of them. And it's kind of hard to compete with those guys. But he's he's slowly like sneaky put together a good pass, like six, seven games. Like he, he's been their guy, like you said. And I think he's just so explosive that he's due for just one of those games where he just Absolutely goes off. And I can see it coming against the saints just because I feel like the saints are just due for a game where they just get blown up by a bad team. So.
0: Yeah. But guys, I think this is going to move us on to our final bull prediction of the week after a tough game. I think that the bills are going to bounce back after a tough loss and beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I don't know. Like, I just feel like this has been a consistent theme throughout the year. Like whenever a team like loses barely, and like, they're really like, you know, I feel like the bills are very salty, right? I mean, I think that's clear. I mean, then their pressers are talking about it. I think Josh Allen and that defense is going to be a little angry. I, and, and I think they're going to come out and show that versus Tom Brady and the Bucks. I mean, look, I, I think the Bucks had a somewhat of a close game versus the Falcons. I think the Tom and Gronk connections coming back. But still, I think that this is a game that the bills like kind of have to win, in my opinion. They have to kind of show that dominance that they truly are a Super Bowl contending team in the AFC. And I think this is a big game for them. And, and I anticipate them to come out here with guns ablazing and trying to win this football game. So I think that it's not crazy to see the bills winning this football game.
1: Yeah. I think the bills know in the back of their heads that if they lose this game, they pretty much have zero chance to win the AFC East. If they win this game and the Pats lose next week to the Colts in Indianapolis, which I think is gonna be a very tough game. Um, then they play basically for the AFC East uh, in three weeks the day after Christmas in Foxborough. So I think that if they want any chance at the first round bye, at the AFC East title, um, anything like that, they know they have to win this game. I still think the Bucks are peaking into form right now, and I think that Brady's stunned to the level. So I think that the Bucks still win this game, but I can see where you're coming from. I hope for the sake of the Patriots, the Bills don't win this game but I would not be surprised if they did.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, you know, the Patriots or the bills coming off of a game where they're playing in my opinion, yes, Charlie, the best team in the AFC, you know, and the uh, bucks coming off of a game versus the Falcons. I mean, it seems like, I don't know. It seems like, yeah, the bills are just in a tougher situation than the Patriots are, or than the bucks are at too much Patriot talk today. God, it's, it's like sticking in my head, but um. No, yeah, I feel like just the – yeah, the Bills need to win this game. Like, they need to. This is a must-win game for the Bills, and it's against probably not a team you want to face for it to be a must-win game. But I feel like the Bills are going to do everything in in their power to win. And, you know, hopefully there aren't going to be any 50-degree wins or, you know, any snow in Tampa Bay this weekend. But if there happens to, then, you know. But, yeah, I think the Bills (laughs) need to win this game.
0: But, guys, I think that's going to do it for episode nine of the Anchor Down NFL Roundtable. Thank you guys for listening and yeah, God bless.